it wasn't until I like looked like I turned my head and at the end of this row of people was John Mayer standing there with his arms open. And I just went up and I hugged John Mayer and I was like, <laughs> oh my God, like I'm a big fan. What the heck? Did I play that solo right? What the heck? You know? And um, yeah, he was a, it was a super warm embrace from him and he was literally kind of like speechless. Like he's like, man, I've heard a lot of guitar players play for rappers, but like your approach. And, you know, he literally was like referencing specific moments and songs. And I was just vibing. Like I was <laughs> up there. having. I think that was night two. We had already done it night. Night one went amazing. I'm not going to lie. You know, females in the crowd. Like <laughs> I was having the time of my life. Hey, buzzing too. <laughs> yeah. Buzzing. What up, what up, what up, everybody? Welcome back to another one of our convos. Today joining us is another very special guest. Going to talk about his music, kind of talk about his career, going to talk to a little bit of everything. Justice West, man. Thank you for joining yeah. us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Okay, so kind of from the beginning, how we always like to do with our guests, new people that we haven't talked to yet, is kind of touch into your background and like give our viewers and fans a little bit like, you know, how you got to this point, basically. So like, sure. How'd you grow up and how'd you get into music? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm born and raised Kansas City. Um, I'm a Midwest boy. Um, I was raised primarily by my mother, um, who is a songwriter and a vocal teacher. And so I always grew up around music. You know, I grew up going to church. And so obviously there's a lot of music in church as well. Yeah. You know, sing and um, lead worship at churches and all that stuff. Um and so, yeah, I always grew up around music, but I actually wanted to be a race car driver. Right. Um, yeah, I wanted to be a race car driver and was really trying to figure that out. And um, when I was eight, um, we had like a go-kart and a sponsorship and everything lined up, but I was still underweight and I was under height. And so they were like, ah, oh, you got to wait, you got to grow a little bit more for safety measures or whatever. Um, and so I got a guitar instead and uh, kind of never looked back. So. Um, but yeah, you know, I just grew up super family oriented um, and, you know, Kansas life. So, OK, yeah. Race car driving wasn't something I was expecting, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm still very much so into cars. Okay, so, okay, my, so you do like grow up watching like NASCAR and all that? Yeah. OK, that's cool. I mean, so another life you could have been a NASCAR driver. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> OK, so I did notice that you picked up the guitar at like eight. That's like a pretty, pretty young age. And like kind of what drew you towards the guitar in the first place? Um, it was just the first instrument I got, to be honest. I mean, once I started playing guitar, um, that quickly kind of, I guess, exposed me to music in a way where I started becoming curious about more instruments not soon after. Um, so I always say, you know, guitar was a starting point. Um, but I think guitar kind of heightened my hunger for exploring more of just music in general. Mm -hmm. And you said your mom was also like into music. She was singing, she was a vocalist. Yeah. So like who were who's growing up in like your household? What music was playing? And like what were some of the like the artists that you were drawn to early on? Oh, for sure. I mean, growing up, um, you know, of course she would play a lot of classics. Um, you know, Earth, Wind and & Fire and Marvin Gaye and 
Curtis Mayfield. And then once I started playing guitar, I got pretty deep into alternative music. And so I started listening to like um, rock bands like Sayosin and Secret and a Whisper and like all these like super heavy alt bands. And I got into metal music. So it was a it was a pretty vast array of music being played. But I mean, we also listened to John Mayer and Coldplay. And, you know, I remember even growing up, we would listen to Taylor Swift and freaking One Direction and stuff. Yeah. So um, a pretty vast, wide array. You know, we just. No, her thing was she was always just a fan of good music. Yeah, um, and that good, kind of rubbed out on me. Yeah. Okay. And I see that like at 14, you kind of like started to hit the hit the road a little bit. Like you started touring. Is that is that right? Yeah. So that was I was um playing for a southern gospel artist, actually. Um, and she would get booked in all these like crazy places. I remember going to Barbados and like Norway and all these random places, my first time like going out, you know, with an artist. Um, and yeah, we were playing like basically like country gospel music or whatever. So yeah, it was crazy at that age to kind of have that experience. So, I mean, that's pretty young, like to just hop right into it and like hit the road like that. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> but it's also probably like a really good lesson, like how you cut your teeth early on into like learning how to tour and learn how to be like professionals, especially that young. Very much so. Okay. Um, so like you said, you grew up listening to like a bit of everything, which is which is obviously I think evident in like kind of music that you've been putting out. But I don't know, I don't know about your environment where you kind of grew up in, but growing up like there weren't like a ton of like, I guess, black guitars or like black people mm-hmm. like listening to like all these different genres and sounds and like artists like you were listening. Like, did you kind of like notice that yourself when you're coming up and you kind of like found your own lane or like how how that happened like with your influences around you yeah it wasn't until i really started playing that i noticed that i mean kansas is very much so predominantly white um and so you know growing up you kind of view everybody as friends and then you start to realize you know that you don't see a lot of people like you around uh and especially once i got more into alternative music you know there aren't a lot of black guitar players um but i mean some to note that are in you know rock and metal and all the space that are heroes you know there's, there's an, an older guy named greg howe um who's like one of the forefathers of this technique called legato and you know there's like in the modern era dudes like tosin abasi and yeah, then i started awesome. learning about guitar players like paul jackson jr who played on like all of michael jackson stuff and tons of just session work and even outside of guitar, like there's this bass player named Nathan East. Um, you know, he played on a lot of Phil Collins stuff and he plays bass for like Eric Clapton, mm-hmm. you know? So it was when I got older, I started to realize that outside of just R&B music, there was still a lot of black musicians doing stuff. Um, but growing up, I definitely um, was wondering like, hey, like every band I listen to, you yeah. know, is a white. But then of course my mom introduced me to R&B you're kind of like, that's when you start to notice like, oh, wait, there's yeah. like there's differences happening in the color of people that do a certain kind of thing. So, yeah, I, pre- I saw that pretty early on, you know, like yeah. nine, 10 years old. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely been interesting to watch over the years and kind of how that's changed and evolved and have them flow. But I think especially yeah. nowadays, like I'm seeing way more like black artists and like indie rock and like all these alternative sounds. Obviously, you have like people like yeah. Thundercat and you have others that I, I know, uh-huh. I know called Max, like. So 
I mean, it is pretty interesting to see, and, and it, I'm actually kind of excited to see it. It's kind of like delving into these other areas of sound and music, and like bring your own like flair and yeah. flavor to it. Um, so, I mean, is there like, I don't know what to ask. I don't want to phrase this. So, like, is there any type of, um, I don't know, expectations or like, when you're creating or when you're like introducing yourself to the people in your sound, like, are there like any expectations that comes when you're like meeting new people and like these new artists? Um, yes and no. I think, I think it just depends on what people know me for and mm -hmm. what they think I'm coming in to do. Yeah. Um, Cause those things vastly kind of change, I guess, the context of how I'm being received. Um, so for people who have gotten to experience, I guess the fullness of my musicality, you know, they're usually generally like, oh, Justice, just do, you know, just do your thing. Um, of course, going into sessions with bigger artists um, or, you know, when I'm playing guitar for other artists, you know, people just know the version of you that they've met. Um, and so if they haven't experienced my own music as an artist and kind of my own stuff, it's uh, it's definitely like not even an awkward phase, but it is kind of yeah. like that phase of like, they have no clue what I actually no do. Idea. Yeah, <laughs> They're doing whatever you're doing. And then it happens on the flip side. I mean, like, you know, as I'm putting music out and people are discovering my music, you know, you see the comments and I like, holy crap, I just found out you did this or you did that. And, you know, so yeah. it's kind of happening going both ways. I think people, you know, like the more you find out about me, like the less you really know what to expect next, you know, with me. Yeah. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. I mean, I always like to kind of ask and see how, like, you know, black artists experience that, especially in like these different types of genres, it sounds, but like, I'm super excited about it. Cause like, I see like people like Yachty, I see like other artists kind of like, kind of tapping into that, that side of music that at one point we were pretty prevalent in, and I feel like it's definitely, uh coming back no so for how sure you like describe your sound um like ethereal organic um you know i've definitely taken a lot of cues from from like my producing side of of really taking care of sonics you know make like really trying to craft a very specific sound so i'm very um I tend to the details, I guess, um, when I'm trying to make something and I'm usually trying to push myself to make it special. Um, and so, yeah, but a lot of acoustic guitar, uh, which was actually a new development for me. I remember when I kind of started this process of discovering what I was doing, I was trying to stay away from acoustic guitar because I wanted to be a rock star. And I was like, well, do you play acoustic? And obviously, like, if you see me play, you see the flair and the solos and the shredding. And you don't really shred on an acoustic. It's not really a thing. But, you know, it started really becoming more like, not that I'm not going to shred on my own music. Um, but I started asking myself, well, what is the story I'm I'm trying to tell? And it kind of really started gravitating more towards acoustic in terms of like, at least for this project I'm currently working on in terms of like what the actual tone was, you know? Um, so yeah, that's where kind of, I think the organic element comes in. Um, 
and I like harmonies. You know, I grew up listening to Brandy, you know, so it's like I got really addicted to doing all sorts of harmonies and stacks and stuff like that. So it's, it's a big combination of a melting pot, per se. OK, yeah, I definitely noticed some of those elements in music for sure. So how would you say, like, some of your biggest influences, especially when it comes to, like, the way you play? Oof. Um, you know, I, I've always been one of those players that wasn't necessarily influenced by one specific guy, but maybe sounds. You know, like when I when I just hear a new style or a new approach to playing, I try to approach it um, of just trying to understand the emotion of the expression, you know. Um, but I will say growing up, you know, I listened to a lot of guitar players, you know, like on the country music side, listening to Vince Gill, um, you know, a lot of John Mayer. I say if there was any player I specifically studied, it was a lot of John growing up. But I think studying John wasn't even surely for the guitar playing, but the songwriting, you know, I just loved the way he composed his songs and he composed his guitar parts within the songs. And so it was never like, it was never because like, oh, this is crazy. Like, this is mind blowing. Yeah. It'd be like, wow, like, it just seemed like every song was perfect. And I wanted to just like play the parts in the song because they felt perfect. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of stuff was just learning records. To be honest, like growing up, I learned so much stuff and I had no clue who was playing it, to be honest. Like I just, I would hear it and I'd just be like, this is incredible. And I'd learn it and and that would be that, you yeah, know? Okay. So what is kind of like your creative process when it comes to like making songs and making music? Usually starts with chords. I usually pick up a guitar. Um, if I'm on the electric guitar, then I usually try to craft a sound or a tone and then play chords that are inspired by that sound or that kind of fit into that, um, that zone. And if it's not electric, then it's just acoustic. I'll usually start, play some chords and then try to put a melody to those chords. And then from there, it just becomes a process of refinement, you know? So then I'm like, you know, if it's a, if it's a progression, I feel is really simple or a melody that's really simple. Then I try to say, okay, well, let's make a section that kind of, you know, pulls it a little this way. And then I might work on that section and then I'll take all of that, go to the computer and then start actually like laying down some parts. Okay. Um, once I have like the chord structure and the melody structure put down, then I start writing lyrics. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. You've also worked with like really, really big names in music. Um, just names you like Alicia Keys, John Legend, Future, Roddy Rich. So like when you work with somebody like such big established artists, like what do they kind of like ask from you and what do you kind of bring to the table when it comes to them and like when they're creating, creating what they need? Yeah, for sure. I mean, being a new guy in the industry, you know, you're usually brought in by somebody. And so I say there's that first stage where you just kind of do what you're asked to do. Um, you know, most times it's a team effort. Um, and being the new guy, you want to you want to go in and kind of not strut your stuff too much, you know. Um, so I'll say usually like those first couple of times of working with artists is pretty simple. You know, it's usually something that's already being created that you can add to, that you can stack upon um, so people can get a feel of like, OK, this guy knows what he's doing. And then once you kind of have that trust in the room from there, um, 
working with all, you know, the artists you name, they're kind of like looking at you like, what you got, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and especially for somebody like me, I bring a lot of weird stuff to the table. I bring a lot of guitar pedals. And, you know, when I go to a session, I usually walk in with like a studio's worth of gear. So they're already looking at you like, what? You know, especially in today's age, there's a lot of beat makers. No offense to the beat makers, but they usually just have like a MIDI controller and a laptop. And yep. usually I bring like two guitars, an electric bass, a pedal board. You know, I might have my Moog with me, plus the laptop and the MIDI keyboard, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so and then I'm asking the studio, like, you guys got any more simps that I could plug in? You know, so um, usually it's just like, OK, well, you got to actually do something, though. You can't just have all this gear and then, you know, play one note. Um, so, yeah, working with a lot of those artists, though, it's, it's a lot of fun you know, adapting my creative process to their creative process and figuring out how what I do fits into the world that they've already kind of crafted, you know? Um, so, yeah. Were there any, like, of those, any of those artists that kind of, like, took you by surprise and, like, what kind of expectations you had going in and working with them? I feel like to an extent, everybody has. I feel like, you know musically you never really know how much or how little somebody was actually contributing until you actually yeah. work with them you know so took me by surprise positive or negative i feel like everybody to an extent of either extreme has has taken me by surprise for sure i think like future has had some pretty like you know legendary um moments and stories about kind of his recording process and whatnot mm -hmm. like so did you have any like moments from that working with him where you're like, this is, this is different. This is. Yeah. I mean, the last session I had with him, um, you know, I didn't realize that he's actually a really great singer. <laughs> so he was, uh, he was listening to the beat and he was vocal coaching another artist that was going to be a part of the song. And I was, then he was like telling her what notes to sing and like how to approach it. And I was all like, Holy crap, this dude can sing. <laughs> Um, he was a cool dude too. So yeah, that definitely, you know, I didn't know what to expect. And a lot of rappers in his, you know, side of the business, the sessions get pretty crazy, but he's actually, um, very focused and very controlled and, and, and actually super talented. So I'm a fan. Yeah, I mean, you know, basically I think it's, it's such a vocal audio style that he employs that you wouldn't really know, like how good it was in years until like. Exactly. I'm like actually in the process. That's funny. You also had like some really big, um, obviously world tours on Miguel, 070 Shake, the Isley Brothers. So like, what's it like touring with with artists like that? And and uh, especially like the Isley Brothers. That, that's such an iconic band, right there. Yeah. Um, touring is a lot of fun. It's also. Um, not for everybody in terms of, you know, the schedule and, and kind of the roughness that meets you out on the road um, with sleeping schedule and eating schedule and sound check and broken gear and, uh, you know, a lot of hurdles and, and stuff. And also a lot of people who make it come together, you know, so you're kind of really relying on a lot of um, pieces to put the whole puzzle together. Uh, every touring experience with, you know, every artist is, is vastly different in terms of how they run their team, 
um, what their expectations are for shows, you know, you know, whether you got matching wardrobe or, you know, it's just all these like very, very different parts um, of playing for artists. Um, you know, different types of crowds, you know, whether you're doing, you know, festival tours or arena tours. So the flavor of touring, it changes pretty vastly. I've been one of the guys that's kind of done a lot of different gigs. Um, I never really have been a part of like one artist, you know, some dudes get, you know, one thing and they stay on that for a while. I've always kind of hopscotched around a little bit. Um, so I've seen a lot of different stuff. <laughs> A lot of different I mean, stuff. I'm sure that's also helped you like a lot in terms of like, you know, being able to adapt to like almost any situation because you oh, for sure. all these different, different, different venues, different audiences, different styles, you know, like it's probably helped you a ton when it comes to just like, oh, can you do this? Like, yeah, I can. Easy. Most definitely. You've also done like Tiny Desk, I think, what, six times? Yeah, six. Is that the record? Yes, it is. I actually can't say with who, but I have a seventh one coming up and and not too long from now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So you're like you're basically like the resident uh tiny desk artist at this point. That's what they say. That's what they tell me every time I go nowadays. <laughs> it's down to the point where even the security people remember me. So Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So I guess when was the first time you did you did a tiny desk? What year was that? Man, the first one was with this guy named Logan Richardson. And um, that was either 2017, 17 or 18. Um, it was still back when people didn't even really know what it was. No, it wasn't no, a yeah. phenomenon yet. I remember when they told us we were going to do it. I was like, what is that? And then we got there and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Not thinking, you know, that I'd first off be back so many times and also, you know, the platform definitely exploded even more, you know, over the past three or four years. So um, that was my first one though. Was, you know, Logan does experimental jazz. It's like jazz mixed with rock and experimental, like cinematic guitar tones and sound. So um, it was a really fun one to do for sure. Yeah, I was gonna ask like, starting out that early on, I was definitely towards like the beginning times of it and to like see where it is now. Like, is that like kind of like mind mind blowing? Like, damn, like it's become this huge cultural, like significant thing now. Yeah. And I mean, looking at my own journey to be such a significant part of it, you know, for every tiny desk I've done, you know, you check the comments and there's like a Justice West tiny desk fan club. They're like, oh, he's back. (laughs) Wow. People really like, you know, so I it's actually funny because the last one I did was with an artist named Ombre. Somebody in the yeah. in the comments was like, man, it's been crazy to watch him like grow up. He's really had a glow up over the past couple of years. <laughs> you know, I guess I had a baby face a step before, but I was looking real grown on this last one. So I was like, oh, wow, look at him. Come a long <laughs> way. <laughs> That's funny. They get to see you on tight. That's go through the years and grow up and like really become yeah. like a little fan club. That's wild. Yeah. Okay, so like, obviously, I was. I think one of the most iconic ones you did was Mac Miller back in 2018. Sure. I think that's got like over 100 million views at this point. Like, so what was kind of experience being a part of that and like looking back on it and having that memory with you know obviously the late Mac Miller. 
You know, in the moment, it felt pretty regular. Um, he was a very kind individual. And, um, you know, we were already in rehearsals for like the hotel cafe shows and stuff. And then also, you know, he was becoming a good friend. Um, I had gone out to his house a few times and kicked it and made beats and did all sorts of stuff. So, you know, once it got to Tiny Desk, it just felt like, you know, I already knew Steven, Thundercat, you know, so it just felt like a big kind of family thing. I mean, everybody in the band, I had already gigged with a lot over the years. Um, so everybody was super familiar. And, and I think that's really the energy people feel on there. Yeah, you know, it, sure. yeah it wasn't like a, a bunch of hired guns playing for, you know, a rapper. You know, it was mm -hmm. like we had all built a very special rapport as a team. Um, and even with the hotel cafe shows, you know, for people who attended, it was a very special kind of one of a kind moment that you could have with an artist like Mac, you know, um, and it took all of us all of our kind of energy, you know, for that to become the moment that it did, you know. Um, there was a lot of excitement about going on tour and and all the stuff that was kind of coming up for him. Um, and especially, too, with, you know, that album being um, a new president in his musical journey, you know, it kind of has set a was new that, standard. Um, Divine was that Divine Feminine or was that? That's Swimming. Okay. So, you know, it was him notching it up another notch in terms of the product as well um so it was great it was great being a part of that and like seeing how all these pieces were coming together and then again you know we were very early to rappers doing tiny desk and not to toot our own horn but we still have kind of been one of the best to do it in terms of the musicality we brought and and um you know, I think, too, that's off the back of the fact that he just started with great songs and he gave us an yeah. opportunity to kind of put our, our own paintbrushes on the canvas um, when it came to performing. And so, you know, I think a lot of artists sometimes struggle with working with a live band when they're more rappers or something else because they're looking for, obviously, there are definable elements of a song. And they're looking for those elements. And so it puts the band in a position where we have to be pretty rigid as to not cause too much confusion. But yeah. because he was so deeply invested to the creative process of his own, um, he also understood how to take these songs that were recorded and, and, and amp them up some. So it was a great experience to be a part of, um, to watch as an artist, to learn, you know, and then as a friend to just see him freaking you know be great so yeah it was definitely a moment it was certainly a moment i don't think they've quite had a moment like that since maybe recently with obviously the juvenile one that went pretty crazy yeah it went pretty great for sure <laughs> um so i guess how did you meet mac miller how'd you guys start working and um kind of what was the experience like the creative process with him yeah i met mac um Actually at rehearsal, so I got the the gig in January of that year, and a uh, a guy named Daryl Robinson reached out because um, he was putting the band together. They reached out to him to like help facilitate the band or whatever, mm -hmm. and um, he just like shot me an email. I had never met him before, and he shot me an email and was like, "Hey, would you be free to play for Mac Miller later this year?" And I was like. 
I mean, it's January, so probably I have, I have nothing on the calendar currently. So all those months went by. I went and did a lot of stuff. I was playing for Snoop and, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff. And then I get another email. It's like, hey, rehearsals are coming up. And I'm like, oh, shoot, this is really happening. Um, and so, yeah, we met in rehearsal and, um, you know, I got some chances to just, you know, talk with him one on one. He was pretty engaged with everybody on the team. Told him I wanted to be an artist that I had no clue where to really start. And then that was when I started going to hang. And, um, you know, he just always gave really great advice, told a lot of funny stories about, you know, his his journey coming up. And um, it was it was pretty great. Yeah, I mean, I think he definitely surprised me around the time with his musicality and like his ear for everything and like way, the way he was able to like really put songs together and, and all the def- depths and layer. And I think that yeah. he was definitely headed in a, in a very impressive direction. For sure. So I also read a story like you, um, I think you met John Mayer at the same time. Yes, I did. So what was that about? Like, how's that story? And um, I think he told you something like you were like one of his favorite guitars. Yeah. So in rehearsals, it was a big joke, you know, on the Max song, Small Worlds. I was like, man, like, I love that beat so much. And there's a guitar solo. And so I thought that the beat was a sample. And so I was like, oh, shoot, like, where'd you guys rip this guitar solo from? Like, what (laughs) record is this? And he was like, that's not a sample. That's my friend, John. And I was like, I was like, John, like as in John Mayer. And he was like, yeah, like what other John? (laughs) And he was like, man, you better make sure you play it right because he might show up. But then he started laughing. So we're thinking like it's Hotel Cafe in Hollywood. Like I'm thinking like John is not going to show up, not yeah, it's just like, okay, it's going to be a packed venue. It's a little spot. Again, it's in the heat of Hollywood. Like, he would cause a mob. You know, like, yeah. he's not going to show yeah. up. <laughs> he actually did show up. He did show up. <laughs> I did not see him in the crowd. But So basically, the story goes, we finished set. I'm packing up my crap. I get my guitar in the bag. And I'm coming off the stage. And there's literally, like, it was like the water split. Like, there was just, like, people. And they were, like kind of slow clapping like I felt like I was like winning some kind of award or something so I'm like my friend Joe who is the bass player he's looking at me he's just cheesing and I'm like yeah it was a great show right and he's like he's still cheesing like he's not responding though and I'm like okay like this is like some Twilight Zone stuff but it wasn't until I like looked like I turned my head and at the end of this row of people was John Mayer standing there with his arms open I just went up and I hugged John Mayer and I was like, (laughs) oh, my God, like, I'm a big fan. What the heck? Did I play that solo right? What the heck? You know, and um, yeah, he was a it was a super warm embrace from him. And he was literally kind of like speechless. Like he's like, man, I've heard a lot of guitar players play for rappers, but like your approach. And, you know, he literally was like referencing specific moments and songs and I was just vibing. Like I was up there having, I think that was night two. We had already done it night. Night one went amazing. I'm not gonna lie, you know, females in the crowd. Like I was having the time of my life. Hey, buzzing too. Yeah. Buzzing. And then, but to to know that like what I did organically and genuinely, he really like 
you know, felt strongly about that it was good, you know, it was, it was definitely a great feeling. Um, and so, yeah, you know, he then told me he's like easily, you know, top five guitar players he had heard in a setting like that. And um, then he found more of my stuff. And of course, I saw him again at the vigil concert. And um, he just reiterated, you know, how talented he thought I was and how, you know, even before Mac had passed, that was just an evening that he had not forgotten, you know. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's my that's my JM story. <laughs> I mean, that's a crazy story. Uh, obviously, like you said, you grew up listening to John Mayer as a kid. So like, yeah, to be like. Oh, this yeah. is him. This is the guy. Like he's in person, and I just played his solo, and like he's giving me all this praise. That's got to be insane, for sure, for sure. Especially because he's like such a kind of like considered like kind of like a savant, like one of the greatest modern guitarists ever. And like to give you all this yeah. praise, and that, that's got to definitely, you know, let you know that like, oh, you're you're doing things in your head in the right direction, for sure. That was that's great. Awesome. Your favorite John Mayer song? Ooh, that's a really tough one. It's really cheesy to say Vultures has a lot of people's favorite John Mayer song. Oh, I mean, you know, with, with Pino on bass, it's it just like, how could it How could it not be? But I mean, going back, like, I feel like Room for Squares had nothing but bangers on it. I mean, My Stupid Mouth is like yeah. a masterpiece of a song. Yeah, that's great. Um, so somewhere, I mean, somewhere in between there. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, wait, how old are you? You're 23? I'm 24. 24. Okay. That's young, still super young. So, like, looking back, you've worked with Leisha Key, John Legend, Fusion which got praise from uh, John Legend, Dave Mac Miller. Do you ever think, like, how did I get here? Like, how did all this happen? Or do you just, are you just, like, in the moment of it all? I'm usually just kind of in the moment. I think everything that has been like really crazy in my life and career really were like happy accidents, you know? Um, so I try not to read too much into it and I try not yeah. to do too much orchestration because the orchestration usually doesn't work. So, no. but you know, whether it's, you know, popping in randomly on a session with mustard and, adding the ball in and not even knowing who Roddy was at the time. I was just like, Oh, who's this guy? Like, oh, it's, it's, it's cool. You know, like I was excited about the songs, like with future, I was on one with like, with young thug. I'm like, Oh, these are going to go, you know? <laughs> and then here comes this song that I wasn't even really banking on, you know? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, the moments with John or even getting the Mac Miller gig through an email, you know, I mean, my my first like major artist gig ever was with Jasmine Sullivan. And that gig came because a guy DM'd me and was like, hey, do you want to play for Jasmine Sullivan? And I thought it was a joke. I was like, uh, I had just auditioned for Miguel and I didn't get the gig. And I was all like, uh, you know, sad. And then like right after I got Jasmine. And I was like 17, you know, so. And then I still ended up going to play for Miguel, too, you know, <laughs> and produce for him. So, yeah, it's just random. I mean, even producing for Miguel, it's another random story where, like, we were in rehearsal one day and I played him some beats. I had this one really weird beat I had done with my friend Vaughn that we were sure nobody would ever take. 
but Miguel asked to hear some weird stuff. So I played it for him. He didn't really give much reaction. He was, I'll just leave the folder. And then like over a year later, he hits me like, hey, like I wrote to that. We're going to put it out. And I was like, oh, shoot, this is crazy. You know, so. Um, what song is that? Uh, oh, what's it called? I forgot the title. Hold on. We got to get the title. I can do some quick. It's like right on the tip of my tongue, too. Hey, you got to get the title. You mean, real for Miguel, put out a song, something you need, things will come out. It came out in 2021. That's why it's been a minute now. Um, it's called Thinking Out Loud. Okay. Yeah, it was on the Art Dealer Chic for EP. Okay. Okay. I mean, you can't just drop that now. Like, like you know, I, yeah, I did Ballin' with Roddy Rich. Like, you got to tell us that story. Yeah, again, that song, I played on it in, in its very infancy stage. And... um I remember when they started hitting up to do business, they were like, oh, ballin'. I was like, I don't even remember that song. You know, like it was just something I did. And, you know, I was like, oh, cool. All right. You know, it came out. I heard it. I was like, it's a cool song. Again, I'm listening to Interstate 10 with Future, which it's a it's a future banger. So I'm like, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I made it on this joint with Pluto. Like, let's go. <laughs> And then I remember like one day just getting on social media and like it was just everywhere. Like everywhere. It, just, it was everywhere. And at the, like looking back, I kind of kicked myself because I'm, I'm not really like a braggy kind of guy. Um, you know, I just do my art and I try to just put it out and see if people resonate with it. But now looking back, man, like. I should have been on Instagram every day. Like, this is my record. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like not really like on in hindsight, realizing the magnitude of that song. I should have probably been a little more vocal about being a part of it at the time when it was like the number one song in the world. Yeah, but it was like arguably the biggest song of the year. Yeah. 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 It took, it took, it took over the year. So, but I think on the flip side, again, I was already just back to creating, you know, I didn't really think much about it because I was in the studio and I was, you know, um, it's just kind of my way, you know, just keep yeah. going. So, but, uh, okay. yeah, if that happens again, though, you're going to see, you, I'm going to be wilding out online. <laughs> as you should, as you should. It actually kind of reminds me of, um, the story of, um, the singer Friday. Mm -hmm. Nobody really knew him. He was kind of, you know, in the background, a lot of people maybe doing a little writing here and there. Then he got on God Did somehow. And then God Did came out. And like I had already been following for a while. And then all of a sudden I see him posting, you know, mom's God Did, I'm on God Did, I'm on God Did with Jay-Z and you know, work across all of them. And, and the next yeah. thing I know, he's starting like going crazy and everybody's like asking for him now and all that. So one yeah. little, you know, a little bit of promotion, a little one big song could definitely take you a long way. For sure. Okay, so speaking about your career. Obviously, like now you kind of switch to a different gear, going solo. Yeah. Producing, producing for yourself, make your own music, creating for yourself. Kind of what was the what was the push to kind of get you to go in this direction? And like how's it how's it been going? And how's the experience been where working for yourself, creating for yourself versus kind of like working for others and creating for them? No, it's um it's kind of had always been something I wanted to do. Um a lot of these songs I'm releasing, I've had for a little while. Um, it's just more of a timing thing. 
Uh, you know, you really, especially in today's age, to really be an artist and be successful and try to cut through the tons of releases that that come yeah. out every day. You know, you need a, a solid team that can help you strategize and people that have diverse connections and, and all that stuff. So, but the transition was pretty natural. I mean, again, even when I worked with other people, I always brought my weirdness to the table. Um, and so my music is just fully my weirdness or my, you know, me always kind of reaching outside the box for something. Um, and that's kind of what it means to me. It's just the fullness of my own expression, you know. Okay. And um, obviously 2019, I think your first kind of solo EP, Control, came out. Um, kind of what was the response to that? And like, what were some of the lessons that you learned from from that process? Um, I learned that when you have um, success happening in your life, sometimes it is okay to say no to things that seem like big opportunities. Um, when Control came out, you know, with no marketing, no promotion, really nothing, absolutely nothing, that song started racking up hundreds of thousands of streams. And at the time I was just getting into doing sessions with some of the big names you name and um, just didn't quite know what to do. Um, and I didn't necessarily take the bet on myself. Um, Cause I mean, that seemed kind of crazy to do at the time, but now looking back, you know, with how Spotify works and, you know, I feel like the Instagram algorithm was in a way better place back then mm. <laughs> than it is now in terms of how changing. many people you can reach. Um, you know, I could have done a lot more with that release, um, but you just, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So, but I mean, the response to that project was was definitely great. I think another thing I learned was I should have just kept dropping, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, kept giving more music i was always writing i have hundreds and hundreds of songs so yeah. um but overall great experience um good way to start out okay and um obviously like got some new music coming out you've already released a bunch of singles this year's uh maybe normal says come together gearing up for your first solo debut album so you know, what's, what's the feeling? What's the, what's the response to what you've been putting out? And like, you know, why now? Why, why do you think now is the right time for, for the debut? Um, I think it's just another piece in the, in the story. Um, I mean, there's always a lot of pressure on a debut album, but I think working with as many seasoned artists as I've worked with, you know, it kind of gave me the proper perspective that album one is just that it's just album one. Um, and I try not to focus too hard on the order or whatever it comes in, because obviously there's a pretty big stigma on, you know, living up to each project. Um, I'm, I want to always take the approach, you know, I think of John or I think of Coldplay. And you can always hear in the tapestry of their, their more recent releases that it's not that they're not considering the old projects, but they're just genuinely being in the space that they're in at the time they're making that project. And that's kind of what it ends up becoming. And I feel like because of that, their fan bases are maybe a little more open to refreshing sounds every project. And so, you know, this project, again, it falls in um, a lot of ambience and organic textures and live drums and, you know, lots of synth and, 
you know, just experimental sound design and, and all this stuff. And, you know, I can't really say where it's going to go after this, but um, for now, that's kind of where it is. And I think I think it's just important to tell this part of the story. You know, you could always wait to be better or wait for more songs or um, but ultimately, I just wanted to put out a project that I think closely reflected where I've been now and, uh, and see just where it goes from there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's always part of the process. Like, you never know till you know, right? Exactly. And I guess how, uh, maybe, how, do, you, do you feel like there's been an evolution in your sound or, like, your music over the last years since, since your first EP kind of came out? Um, for sure. I feel like everything's a little more focused and intentional. Um, I feel like the stories are more intentional and how they kind of all fit together and, and why they matter being put on a singular project. Um, I think in a lot of ways, I'm still the same. Um, maybe in the good ways, we'll see. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. And I guess the album title was something more. So yeah. was there like any, any meaning behind it? Well, um, it's it's pretty significant of the never ending nature of the life journey. Um, I feel like every time you get to a new point in life, you still always end up searching for something more. Um, there's always we're always as humans trying to extract just the, an ounce more, you know, yeah. out of something. And so a lot of these songs um, are personal stories. And, you know, I feel <laughs> I feel like John in his early days, I feel like, you know, just being this awkward guy who maybe is a little uh, eccentric and, uh, you know, you say and do some of the wrong stuff and it creates all of these very interesting interactions with people. <laughs> and um, and ultimately, this song is a or song. This album will be a testament of my search for something more. Like, I feel like this would be one of those albums where, you know, maybe I do another album and then it ends up being something more part two because yeah. I end up on the same kind of journey of discovery again. So it definitely feels like one of those projects that will all, that will end up having like a continuing, uh, a continuing factor. Yeah. Okay. And can we expect any, um, you know, any of those big names popping in? Any favors called in? I got a couple of tricks up my sleeve. Okay. I got a couple of tricks up my sleeve. It's not future though, so don't get too excited. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be crazy. That'd right, be we'll crazy. Cross it maybe, 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 maybe for the next know. one, part two. Well, you know, it, it could be like it could be like that Khaled moment where like that and the night the album's dropping, he's like, the Drake verse just came in, you know, yeah. like yeah. one of those things. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be crazy. All right. Um, I guess one last question I want to ask is like, have you ever considered or have you done any like film composition for like movie and TVs? Um, I was a part of the Legos movie part two. I worked on a, a scene and song called uh, Gotham City Guys. It was okay. part score, part soundtrack. That was definitely a lot of fun. That was super early in my arrival to LA in my career. Um, since then, no, I just rip movies off of YouTube and then I put my own scores to them <laughs> and it's been a lot of fun doing that. So yeah, if you, 
if anybody needs some scoring, you just hit me up because at this point I'll work for free. <laughs> I was going to ask because I was like, I heard um, your, your project this year, Irregular Forms, and I definitely yeah. felt like super cinematic and super, you know, the soundscape was crazy. Like I definitely hear that being scorched to like some shows or, or videos or something. Yeah, that was kind of the goal with that project. And I think I'll always end up with like a random EP like that in between album cycles because um, I felt like they were great tunes. I felt like it was really cool, easy listening stuff. And it was a lot of fun to do that project. I think I did the whole thing in like two weeks or something. So it was pretty fun. Yeah. It was dope. It was definitely a dope project. Definitely got lost lost in the you know the soundscape of it all i'm like i like this a lot thank you you also casually dropped lego batman too you know that also was one of the biggest moves of the year when it came out so yeah it was it was pretty big wasn't it <laughs> it was massive all right then like so you have any goals like any plans for the future um tours shows doing anything special for the release whenever that is i don't think we got a date yet no date yet special plans being talked about future goals include the music actually being successful <laughs> and um yeah that's all i got <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need all right definitely um definitely be looking forward to the album as a whole coming out later this year yes. tentatively later this year um definitely enjoying everything that i've heard so far you've had a crazy story it's like super impressive super talented and and definitely excited to see kind of like where you head in the the future awesome thank you so much and uh if you guys are listening following watching wherever definitely go follow justice west we'll have all the links down below wherever this goes up and uh go run those streams up when the album comes out and when streams up anyways for everything that he has out there oh yeah (laughs) 